Um, if we haven't met yet, then hi, I'm Laura. I'm married to Matt, and it is an absolute pleasure to be able to share with you guys this evening. Okay, we're going to kick off by taking a look at the Bible. Seems like a pretty good place to start. Um, we're going to read Matthew 9, verses 9 to 13. So grab your phones, your Bibles, or you can take a look at the screens. Okay. Um, and I love the way that the New Living Translation puts this. Okay, Matthew 9, verse 9 to 13. Jesus calls Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. We'll talk more about that later because that seems like, what? He just did it. Okay, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, uh, disciples sorry, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. But I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Okay, who here loves living in Exeter or in Devon? Yeah. 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 Me too, and I think it really is the best city. Obviously, I'm Devonian anyway, so of course I'm going to say that. Um, but yeah, we love Exeter. Obviously, there's a reason why we moved back here. And, and don't get me wrong, I definitely, definitely agree that Devon is heaven. I really want a print on my wall that says that. That's something my birthday, well, coming up in July, but that isn't it. <laughs> um, however, I am desperate to leave the country. I don't know about you, but after we relocated to Exeter, then there was the whole C word thing. We had the pandemic, and then I had another baby. Uh, I haven't left the country, I haven't received my passport, I think in like six, six years. And I want to leave the country. I absolutely love living here, but I'm going to go. And I'm so, so grateful. Finally, we've got a couple of, well, we've got one holiday booked in France. I can't wait. And hopefully, Matt and I might go to New York much later in the year and to celebrate 10 years of being married. It's mad. Anyway, the last time we went to America, and um, it was many years ago, way before we had kids, um, and Matt and I went and we did a road trip. I'm on the west coast of America. Well, hey, look at that. You could have been younger. Who would have been that? Pardon? Yeah, that is the, what's the quote? It's the Wave Falls, I think. Ironically, you can't actually go onto that beach. That's as close as you can get to it because it's so protected. Anyway, so we have family that live up at the top in Seattle. So we started there on Washington State, oh goodness me, when we got to Hollywood, also looking much younger in dinner. Um, and so yeah, we went to Washington see, with my family in Seattle. Then we, what did we do next? We drove down the whole coast. So we, we caught a train down to Portland, Oregon. Then we flew over to Vegas. Then we hired a car and then drove back to California and went all the way down the coastline, stopping. Uh, Hogo, uh, San Francisco, Monterey, all the usual kind of places. Anyway, then we made it to LA. Now, on that trip, um, it was the first time that I had ever booked an Airbnb. Oh, Airbnb had like literally just started, um, which was really 
in Portland. Um, we arrived at my train station, we caught taxi to Ireland, and we got into this taxi, and we just kept going and going and going and going. <laughs> we went over the river, keep, just keep going out of the city, past a lot of neighbourhoods, and finally we arrived about a few minutes later at our Airbnb. We got the key, managed to get in, it was all very nice, just to expect it. The thing was, we weren't really in Portland anymore, and I thought that I had chosen somewhere that was like perfectly located, so we, we were only there for a few days, we were just going around exploring, going to get what's the donuts place, blue, something like that, I can't remember, it's all the time ago now. Um, but yeah, I totally missed the detail of actually where this place was located. Yeah, oh yeah, and we couldn't even afford a taxi the other day, so we had to catch a bus. So actually it was about an hour and a half each way to get into the city. Not ideal. So it definitely wasn't quite the little break in Portland I had expected. I completely missed the detail of the actual listing of the Airbnb. Later on in the trip, we stayed at another Airbnb in LA. And originally I wanted to stay around Santa Monica, just like by the beach, in a cute little beach house. But Matt being Matt, of course, he wanted to stay in Hollywood. And I tried to explain to him, I think we like Santa Monica a lot more, by the beach, it was really close um, to a church that we wanted to check out, and I thought it would be a lot more chilled. But in the end, we figured, well, there's, there's going to be loads of places that we want to explore around LA, so okay, fine. Okay, then, we'll, we'll stay in Hollywood. The lights, the glamour, the celebrities, it's a real dump. LA is a dump, but especially Hollywood is a real dump. And again, the place that we stayed at was really nice, uh, but it was on a really busy street. We were literally just down from the Walk of Fame, and it was hectic and just like dirty. Yeah, not not great. Not really how you expect these places to be. And I've already I've already gone. I'm doing what matters. I've gone off script. Um, but yeah, so I think we much more enjoy staying on the coast around Santa Monica, Venice Beach, and Abakini. that owns her owns and her Abakini Boulevard. It is known as the coolest street in America, and I can guarantee it is. It was so so cool. Um, but yeah, with all of my hours of research, I still managed to miss that even though the drive from LA, from sorry, from Hollywood to Santa Monica was not that far. Actually, it was at least an hour, and that's in good traffic. You do not get good traffic in LA. So you know what? I literally, I've never booked an Airbnb ever since. <laughs> I've stayed in a few, I've never booked any. Anyway, we still had an amazing time, even though there was a little bit of extra travel involved um, after we missed some important details. It's a frustrating thing when it comes to travel, but it's life-changing when it comes to following Jesus if we miss his message. Jesus came to earth with a specific message. And yet it can be all too easy to miss the message, especially in our world today of cancel culture, fake news, and the fact that if you spend enough time on the internet, you can basically find a theory to back up anything, however wild and crazy. Around 45% of adults in the UK are pretty sure that they encounter fake news every single day. And um, a YouGov survey in 2018 showed that a third of young millennials, that's 18 to 24 year olds in America, don't believe the world is round. <laughs> it's not bad. Oh, and 
but it's because of the blow up of social media and YouTube where people are creating these crazy theories to back up the fact that the world isn't actually round. And we can so often do this with our faith by interpreting the message in a variety of different ways. Well, sometimes it can feel hard, and it can feel easier, sorry, to pick and choose bits that we want to live by and believe, and sometimes just gloss over some of the facts that might be harder to understand or just feel too challenging. Parts that make us feel guilty about the way we're living our lives or the choices we might be making. The views that we might have, or maybe we worry about how our friends or our family might judge us or might feel judged themselves. However, if we miss his message for long enough, we'll end up somewhere God never intended us to be. I felt really inspired by Richard Wilkinson Jr. and his book, Friend of Sinners, um, as I wrote this talk, and he says in the book, I don't want to miss what Jesus came to say, and I'm sure you don't either. If he is who he said he is, and he said he is God, then it's only logical we make sure we get his message straight. Why did he heal people, forgive people, call people to follow him? Why did he die and rise again? And based on all of that, how should we live our lives today, 2,000 years later? Now, before we go any further, we should probably talk about that awkward word, sin. Everyone expects to hear it probably the first time in church, right? And have you ever heard it? be used in any other context apart from a religious one. It just sounds like a very uh, religious, condemning word. Sin simply means missing the mark. Not living in line with the way God created us to live. We were purposefully made for a perfect relationship with God, yet we don't live that way. It's part of our human nature, day in, day out. Romans 3, verse 23 says, we have for all who sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mean, just think about kids. Think about Levi, who's all in here running around. Our cutest little boy. So, obviously, I think he's cutest boy as a parent. Um, but last year, in particular, when he was one, oh my goodness, I can't guarantee, like, or can guarantee, sorry, no matter how many times I told him not to eat sand, what does he do? There we go. That was literally like a year ago. Look so funny. In the Bible, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are stories that paint a picture of Jesus. And in Matthew, we learn a lot about Jesus choosing his interactions with Matthew, who later goes on to become one of Jesus' disciples, his hangout. In fact, Matthew wasn't actually his name at all, it was Levi, funny enough. Um, it was a Jewish name for a Jewish guy. But he had to change it. Like, what kind of job would you have to change your name for? It seems incredibly intense and crazy. And it was a tax collector, which at the time was a criminal position. Matthew was the kind of guy your parents would warn you to stay away from. And if you saw him coming, walking up the street, the same side of you, you would cross. He was like a mafia boss, a gangster. That's how tax collectors were viewed. At the time, Rome was a massive superpower in the world, and every time that they conquered a new territory or a new country, the Roman government would place large taxes on the people um, in that area. And so that's what Matthew was employed to do, and that's why he had to change his name. He needed them um, to turn his back on his Jewish heritage and to give himself a name 
a Greek king that would have been a lot more culturally acceptable um, to, his, to his bosses, to the Romans. Matthew was like the neighbor you might have grown up knowing. You might have come over for a cup of tea with your parents, maybe give you Christmas presents, would kick the football back over the garden fence when you were in the garden. And suddenly, overnight, he was taxing your parents, working for the bad back and property off of it. Your parents would be running out of money to put food on the table, and then he'd have the most Instagrammably beautiful home you've ever seen, with amazing walking board shows, the latest trainers, a Peloton studio, and probably a Porsche on the drive. Now, is that the kind of person you would trust to feed a cat when you're on holiday? Or maybe invite to Alpha? Probably not. And yet, Jesus decided to invite Matthew to follow him. And that's just what he did. Now this is the part in the story where you might be thinking, that was it. Didn't Jesus know about the awful man that Matthew was until that point? Who he is and what he's done? And why would you ask him to follow him without any questioning? And as Matthew agrees to follow Jesus, that's exactly what the religious leaders do. They question both Jesus and Matthew's integrity. They are so quick to judge. And how often can we do the same? Don't you know that they've been partying every weekend? They're getting drunk, they're taking drugs, they're turning up to church with a hangover. Don't you know that they copied someone else's work of cars? Don't you know they get joy from trolling people online? It can often be us that get in the way of other people coming to know God. So often, we disqualify the position that God has and has placed on those around us in their lives. It is not our right to judge and to get in the way of Jesus' work. Religion may say that you have a few chances, but relationship says that you have a choice and an opportunity to follow Jesus no matter your past. Jesus' message that he brought to earth was grace, salvation for all who believe in him. After Matthew was invited to follow Jesus, he decided to throw a big party. And instead of being all holier than thou, now only surrounding himself with the, the good Christian people that make all the right decisions and do all the good things, and to show Jesus that I've turned away from my, my life before, he actually invited all of his old friends. Every single one of them, the other tax collectors, the gangsters, the drug dealers. Matthew was just desperate for them to meet Jesus, just how he had and you might have been asked before, how do you hang out with people that don't agree with what you believe in? And simply put, it's because it's what Jesus did, and it's what we are called to do. And so that's why we are unlimited. We want this to be a place where anybody and everybody, whether you've ever set foot in a church or not, feels welcomed and at home and wanted. And that goes within these walls, but also out of this building too. Wherever we go, we represent unlimited, and more importantly, we represent, we represent Jesus. Whether people accept him or reject him, Jesus always extends grace. He always shows up for the least, for those that nobody else wants to hang out with. And that's why he was well up for Matthew's party. Just think about that for a second. Like in today's world, could you imagine if you saw Matt coming out of fever over the road, with, okay, this doesn't quite work right now, but a few months ago we were done with Andrew Tate and a whole new drug dealers. You'd 
like sitting, what would you be thinking? And so that's exactly what the Pharisees thought when they saw Jesus going to this party. Jesus knew that even if these people didn't change their life, that he would choose to love them anyway. We often try to change people, measure our love based on what we might get back in return from them. But Jesus didn't and he still doesn't. Jesus never considers anybody a waste of time, whether they choose to give their life to him or not. So when Pharisees saw Jesus going to this party with these criminals, these misfits, they could not believe it. So they asked his disciples, why is Jesus hanging out with such scum? And Jesus overheard them. His response, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not, I have come, I have not come, thank you, sorry, I have not come to call the righteous but the sinners. Now you might have heard this scripture before, and even the Pharisees missed the point. They probably thought, well, Jesus is just hanging out with these misguided souls. He's just like us, he's just a good person trying to help these bad people, these sinners to be better, just like us. But what Jesus actually meant is that there is no difference between righteous people and unrighteous people, or healthy people and sick people. Without grace, there is only one category, sinner. He came to save everyone, but only those that recognize they are a sinner and need salvation will be saved. The Pharisees missed the message. They were trying to live good lives, pleasing to God, but by missing the message of Jesus, they intended to go somewhere they never meant to go, judging and condemning and looking down. Jesus was saying to the Pharisees that you are sinners too. You can't receive my grace if you don't accept that you're sinners too. That you judge others without looking at your own lives. They followed the law and religion over love and relationship with others. They totally missed his message. We're all sinners. And Jesus is a friend of sinners to me and to you. He has extended grace to us all. And when we start thinking we are any different to Matthew, that tax collector, we are at risk of missing his message. But if we remember we are all sinners, and if Jesus is a friend of sinners, then we have good news that we are all friends of Jesus. And when we meet Jesus, of course we experience true change in our life, just like Matthew did. Our priorities change, our values change, the influences that we let into our lives change. And when we value our relationship with Jesus over our behaviour, knowing that Jesus is our friend, not because we deserve it, but because he wants it, it changes everything. So who do you relate to most in the story? Do you feel like Matthew? Do you feel like your past? makes you disqualified of his love? Or do you feel like the Pharisees? Maybe you've been criticising and judging others rather than focusing on yourself and your relationship with Jesus. Are you missing Jesus' message by getting in the way of someone else coming to know him? Do you feel like you know them better than anyone else? No, Jesus does. And they can never change, never change. How can you stop this and help guide them to Jesus. You might be thinking there is no point in inviting them to church. You know they will just never come. Or you might think, oh, can offer to pray. No, there's no point praying. They would just say, no, thank you. We've got to be the kind of church that steps out boldly, not missing his message. And our dream is that this church grows, not because
Christmas, we're so great, the lighting is cool, everyone's really friendly, the coffee's great, the baking is great, but because of the miraculous. The people that hear about this church, where miracles happen, where people are far away from God, experiencing the closeness of God. So as I wrap up, I'd love to share that story with you. I have a friend who recently experienced an unexpected breakdown in her marriage, and I share this with her permission. Neither her nor her husband are in any way religious, and we often have interesting spiritual conversations, um, and I've previously talked about prayer, and actually Matt had encouraged her to have a go, um, even though she thinks it's nonsense. Anyway, so the day after her husband left, she asked me to pray for her and her situation. And of course, I was all too glad to say, yeah, of course. So I prayed with her, um, I shared with her permission to Matt, and um, Matt has been praying too, and then I called her to see how she was getting on, um, and I told her that we'd keep praying for her. But what I regret was not offering to pray for her there and then on the phone, if she had wanted that. Anyway, the next day, she messaged me to say that her husband had come home. And then they were talking things through. And what she couldn't help but tell him was that it seemed like this crazy coincidence that Matt and I had been praying for them the day before he came back home. They were reconciled and are now on the road to strengthening their relationship. Again, then, um, it's really cool, but she's told me multiple times how she keeps mentioning to people, to her parents, to her friends, um, that they came back together the day after we prayed. What was such a tiny thing for Matt and I to do has had a massive impact on her life and her impression of Christians. And it's just so funny that she's going around telling people that the reconcil- reconciliation of her marriage has happened because of prayer, as an answer to prayer. But it made me think, why hadn't I offered to ever to pray for her before? Why did it take her having to ask me to pray for her? I really wish I'd been brave enough to pray for her out loud on the phone again if she wanted. I guess I just assumed she wasn't interested, she'd say no, and I had no time for that part of my life. So my challenge to you and to myself is who can you think of that you might be getting in the way of from starting the journey of coming to know Jesus? Let's just get over ourselves and our judgments and our preconceived notions of the people in our lives and simply offer to pray or share a little about our faith. Let's not disqualify the position that God has given and planned for those around us. 